0: Amen. Today we're looking at it in Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Philippians. Now, I don't know how much you know about the Apostle Paul. We'll talk about him kind of as we go. But for me, he always seems like uh, he's, he's scrappy. You know what I mean by that? Like he's a guy that has a big attitude in a tiny little body. He's a guy that's never going to back down from a fight. He's a guy that is never going to count the odds. He's always going to lead with his heart and with his gut. And one of the reasons I think that is because of the passage in Philippians that we're going to look at today. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. We'll just take it slow, bit by bit, because I think what Paul's saying here, he's not just saying to the people, then, over there. He's saying it to you and me. And it's a timely message for our church and for every Christian church right now. Paul says in verse 12, Not that I've already attained everything God has for me, or even that I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has already given me. I press on. That's what I want to talk about today. See, Paul had a crazy story, right? Like he got beaten, what, six, eight times by gangs of people who were hostile to his message? And he pressed on. He, he didn't turn tail and run. He didn't turn into a coward. No, in the face of violent opposition, he pressed on. He was shipwrecked. While well, he was shipwrecked on an island in Malta, where I've been, actually, I've been to the site of his shipwreck. He was there, and he he didn't get discouraged. Instead, he prayed with and led the people around him, and he pressed on. He was bitten by a snake. Should have been hospitalized, probably should have died, but instead he pressed on. He was put in prison a half dozen different times and he pressed on. He was stoned to death and miraculously somehow either didn't die or came back from the dead and he pressed on. There was nothing that anybody could do to him or around him that would make him stop. He pressed on. And my big gripe with the church in the last two years is that instead of pressing on, we've seen hundreds, if not thousands, or maybe even millions of Christians not press on, but pass out. How about you? You pressing on? Or are you passing out? Now, there's lots of stuff that's happened in the last couple years. I mean... Let's acknowledge this is sort of a bumpy time in human history. But you could divide a line through every church in America, through every church on the planet, and realize there are Christian people that are pressing on and Christian people who have just passed out. Or maybe they passed out because they, they lost heart. It's been tough, man. Christians have earned a bad reputation because, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but we haven't exactly conducted ourselves exemplarily. In fact, my pronunciation of that word was better than our performance. And of course, there's been lots of opposition and lots of upheaval. Boy, racial upheaval, political upheaval, tension in every direction. A lot of people just said, man, it's not worth it. I don't want to be associated with the church. I don't want to be associated with Christ. I think everybody else is a hypocrite. I don't want any of it to passed out. How about you? How about you? It's been heartbreaking for me to be surrounded by so much need over the last couple years. Standing by side people at the hospital bed, people in the ICU, going and doing baptisms in people's kitchen sinks and spring water pools, doing everything I can to administer sacraments to people, doing everything we can to help, and then to have mature Christian people go, "I just, I, don't, uh, nah, church sucks." They passed out. I mean, there's been a huge pruning. Of the Christian Church over the last couple of years, And here's why I'm bringing this up, because I'm fighting for your soul. But at the end of the day, I can't press on for you. You've got to decide if you're going to be courageous, resilient, brave. Bold, if you're going to be scrappy like the Apostle Paul, if you're going to be like Jesus who carried his own cross on the way to his public execution, or if you're going to just lay down, get tired, and go away. I'll tell you, there's tons of people in your life that are are really a bit sick of you, Tons of people who just wish you'd stop. Why you gotta be so extra? Why you gotta do so much? Why you gotta knock it off? You're making the rest of us feel bad. Just shut up. Why don't you? Are you gonna let them win? Or are you gonna press on? And it's funny because uh, I don't actually know very much about passing out, um, but I Googled it. Thank God. You know, how else would you preach without Google? Jeez. And a quick Google search I'll tell you, there's, there's really common reasons for why people pass out. And I thought, oh man, this is, this is a good metaphor for what's happened to so many Christians over the last couple of years. First reason that people pass out is lack of oxygen. Now in the Bible, both in Greek and Hebrew, the word for oxygen or wind is the same as the word for the spirit. I can't help but feel like a lot of Christian people have been trying to live abundant life without the Holy Spirit. They're suffering for lack of oxygen. They pass out. Here's what I mean by that. You you can't love your enemies without drawing deeply on God's Holy Spirit. Instead, you just give yourself permission to hate your enemies. Well, what good is that? That's what everybody does. That's not abundant life. That's not victorious Christian living. That's not the life that Jesus modeled. That's certainly not the life that Jesus promised. No, man, you can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, it's really crazy because at this point, we really need God's Holy Spirit to help us love our friends, to love our families, to love our neighbors. And when you find it really, really hard to love God, anybody. That's a good sign to you that you're starting to pass out, man. You're not getting enough air. Or, what's worse, maybe instead of breathing in deeply of God's Holy Spirit, maybe you're breathing in something else. I mean, there's all kinds of other, I don't know, spirits out there. There's all kinds of people who are full of hot air. Seems like My television is perpetually flatulent with opinions. When you breathe bad air, you're going to pass out just as quick as if you don't get the good stuff. So if you don't want to pass out, you might ask yourself, are you getting enough oxygen? Are you breathing deeply of God's Holy Spirit, inviting him to keep you strong, keep your vision clear? Of course, a lot of people pass out not just because they don't get enough air, but because they're dehydrated. Remember when Jesus met that lady at a well, you know, a little, little well in the middle of town, and he sees this woman all by herself in the middle of the day. He starts talking to her, and they have a little playful banter back and forth. You know, this lady, she, she don't need no man. She's got a little sass in her, and Jesus is giving as good as he gets, and they're talking back and forth, and he says, you know what? Why don't you let me give you living water? What are you talking about? Living water. i tell you what. I will make it so that you never thirst again. It's funny because I read it with the benefit of my modern ears, right? And I go, <laughs> they're flirting and she's thirsty, you know. And Jesus is saying, you're trying to drink the wrong water. You're dehydrated. Man, I do a lot of stuff. You you probably do too. I like to go to the gym. I, I like to play music, you know. But you know, in order for me not to get dehydrated, i got to spend time drinking living water, meaning i got to spend time with Jesus. i got to spend time studying the words of Jesus, reading the words of Jesus, following and understanding the way of Jesus. If I'm going to practice guitar, I'm going to sit down there for you know, 60 or 70 minutes at a time. Do you sit down with your Bible for 60 or 70 minutes at a time? I go to the gym every day for an hour. You spend time in the Bible every day for an hour? Sometimes you sit down and uh, you turn on television. You know, watch Netflix. It's got that amazing little button that says next episode. Do you spend as many minutes in prayer as you do clicks on next episode? Now I'm being playful with you. So, if you're feeling really bad right now, that's your issue, man. (laughs) But if you're going to keep from passing out, if you're going to keep from being soul starved, upside down, face down on the carpet, wondering how you got here and what the heck is going on, then, man, you got to stay hydrated. I laughed out loud when I read the next. Reason that sometimes people pass out it's a medication we rely on medication for a lot sometimes we become dependent on our medication control our blood pressure um, keep our cholesterol going down thank God for modern science and technology but you know sometimes your medication causes complications Sometimes the wrong mix of medications, sometimes too much medication will make you pass out. And most of us, most of the time, instead of treating the root causes of our illness through health and fitness and a proper diet, we'll we'll just take more medication to fix the problems caused by the other medications that we're taking. So we're eating 17 cheeseburgers every day and just popping a few more pills, hoping that our arteries can somehow keep moving... And when they don't, we think, well, I guess I need more medication. Maybe you need less cheeseburgers. I'm just going to throw that out there. You know, like maybe you scale it back to six. You're still going to look great. Don't worry. (laughs) You won't lose that figure, Mayor McCheese. You'll be fine. And spiritually, we're doing the same thing, man. Instead of. Listening to the Spirit, following the Spirit, getting around healthy people who are going to support you, who are going to give you resolve, who are going to help you understand what it means to be strong, make good decisions, put your life in order. When well, instead, we just start relying on other stuff. Sure, maybe it's drugs or alcohol. Sure, maybe it's good things that, well, we just rely on too much. If you feel like you're going to pass out, maybe pay attention to your spiritual lifestyle. Fourth reason that people pass out from time to time, and these all just crack me up because they're, they're so fitting, is an arrhythmia. Heart palpitations, irregular heartbeat. Man, I've seen a lot of Christians with really irregular hearts over the last couple of years. Like uh, about a year and a half ago, I saw a lot of Christians who were really concerned about racial justice. We should be. That's an important issue. God made you and I equal. Doesn't matter the color of our skin. Doesn't matter our nationality. Doesn't matter the accent that we have. Men, women, boys, girls, old, young, black, white, brown, equal. Uh, but I don't hear a lot of Christians concerned with racial injustice anymore. Because our hearts are irregular. Irregular. And at some point, we ought to let the Spirit of God tell us what's important instead of just the issue of the day on social media. A lot of Christians really worked up about women's rights, sometimes. But then the issue comes off the front burner, and they're not concerned about it anymore. Hey, listen, if it's important, it's always important. Now, you can't care about everything. Not everything can be your pet cause or your pet passion. But if something's yours, if you care about it, if God gave it to you, if it kept you up at night once, it better keep you up at night always. Get your heart right. Be regular. Be faithful. Be healthy. These things matter. And just because somebody else gets mad about some new thing doesn't mean that the passion of your heart gets to go out. What are you here for, man? We need you to stay on mission. The world is not going to get better without you and your contribution. But when you're a spaz, jumping on every bandwagon and then jumping off the bandwagon, hating this group of people, blaming that group of people, you're of no help and you're going to pass out. Get your heart healthy and care the whole damn time. Sometimes, over the last year, two years, how long has it been, 800 years? We see Christians pass out because they panic. They got anxiety. Now, anxiety is real, man. No shame. You got an anxiety disorder. You're getting therapy. You're getting help. You're getting medication. for Good. Thank God that those helps and resources are available to you. But it's a little bit the cause celebre, you know. You're a 12-year-old girl. You got anxiety. So does every 12-year-old girl. So do most of the 12-year-old boys. Like, that's okay. But what we need to understand is that the more we focus on our anxiety, the more we use or explore or exploit our anxiety, the bigger our anxiety becomes. And we got a whole culture that knows everything about anxiety. And I would love to be part of a church that knows everything about courage. Listen, you're going to be scared. It's scary times. You're going to have anxiety. You're going to panic. You're going to be afraid. There's no shame in that. But the good news of the gospel of God is that your fear, your panic, your worry, your anxieties do not have to paralyze you, and they do not define you. God is making you stronger. God is building you up. God is teaching you what it means to be an overcomer, to be victorious, to be bigger than your fears. Because there's a world of difference between having fear and having a spirit of fear. Between from time to time being appropriately afraid and from time to time being sane because the rest of the time you're losing your mind. And over these last couple years, man, is my heart broke to just see person after person after person whom I love pass out. Now, I don't know if you've ever been around somebody who's passed out, but they're no fun. I mean, on the good end, if you are watching a movie and your friend passes out, they don't get to enjoy the movie. On the bad end, if you're rolling jujitsu and your friend passes out, then you're like, uh-oh, I hope to come back. You're going to drool all over the floor. And, oh, geez. If you're at a party, your friend has too much to drink and they pass out, now you've got to clean up their barf and get them in the car. I mean, like, people who pass out don't help. And the world needs help and God has ordained that the help the world will get is through you. Why isn't God doing anything to help? He is, he's doing it through you, through the church, the hands and feet of Jesus, the body of Christ is the church. People say the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Well, thank God handbaskets have handles and we're going to grab that sucker and drag it back to its right mind. Paul says, I press on. Now, I love his humility here. This cracks me up. He's like, listen, I'm not saying that I've already attained it. I'm not saying that I I got it perfect. Right, we're not perfect. We don't have it all figured out. That's why we press on. There's some really complicated issues out there. That's why we press on. There's a lot of heartache out there. That's why we press on. Because what we got right now ain't good enough. Our problems aren't fixed. We don't have peace. We don't have tranquility. We don't have unity. We don't have parity. We don't have equality. So we press on. press on, that I may lay hold of that that Christ Jesus has already given me. Now, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching toward those things that are ahead, I press on toward the goal. I love that. Forgetting those things that are behind and reaching for those things that are ahead. Man, I don't know about you, but I got a couple skeletons in my closet. And and whenever I try and move forward, there's a little voice inside my head that says, "Uh, yeah, you, you shouldn't do that. You're not good enough. You're not ready. In fact, you know, I've been preaching a long time. I think I preached my first sermon in seventh grade. You know, I became a, I turned pro when I was 18, and every time you get up, you hold a microphone, you stand up, it doesn't matter if there's six people in the room or 6,000 people in the room, I get up, and there's a little voice in my head that says, you're not qualified to do this. You don't don't have any right being up here. I know what you did. I know the things that are in your heart. And I got to set those things behind me. Now, the Apostle Paul, before he became the Apostle Paul, was a religious fundamentalist. He was a violent religious fundamentalist. Killed Christians, persecuted, took their homes, shamed them publicly, humiliated them, dragged them out in the streets, stoned them, beat them, killed them. He did that. Can you imagine the little voice in the back of his mind? You're a murderer. They're never going to trust you. These people don't care what you have to say. They know who you are, man. They know what you did. But Paul says, one thing I do, I forget those things that are behind me. See, here's the thing, man. You got to live in the power, not the prison of your past. See, because Paul did some things, he was harsh, he was unyielding, he persecuted people, he made mistakes, he did things that were wrong, and those wrong things that he did in the past are the very things that God used to propel him in the future. So now you're sitting here and you're thinking about that boy you slept with, you're thinking about that horrible thing you said, that terrible decision, that betrayal that you did, when, that time when you lost all that money, that time when you acted like an idiot and then you had to pay for it, and you're thinking that all those things disqualify you. And I'm here to tell you that you serve a God of redemption. And the very things that the enemy wants to use to destroy you, God is going to use to set you on your feet and use those things to heal the people around you. Because what you forget is that we already know how your story ends. See, God tells you you got an eternal future with him. God tells you you've been adopted, named, claimed. You're part of God's family. You are going to live forever in a palace of gladness, feasting and singing with people that love you. That's where you're going. So if right now you don't have all that, good news. It's only going to get better. You are in the middle of your comeback story. You're in the middle of a miracle. And you are not defined by your past. You are not imprisoned by your past. Oh, no, man, you're just a, man, you're in the middle of the best Disney movie ever. And I had a good friend of mine, Grady, who's my counselor and therapist now, going on eight years. And he said, David, you love to imagine that the things in front of you are only good. And so you just keep laying hold of those good things. That's awesome. Um, But in the Christian life, there's about a two to one ratio of letting go to laying hold. What do you mean? Well, like letting go of your past, your past mistakes, your past failures. You, You gotta let that stuff go. It's not even sinful. It's just not helping you. And like, the stuff that people said to you that hurt your feelings, that made you feel small or made you feel stupid, they were right. You did some dumb stuff, but, but you got to let it go. Or else it'll turn into resentment. I mean, it's not sin now, but it's going to be. And, you know, Dave, you're, you're a smart guy, you're a good leader, but you got to let go of your need to be in control. you got to get hands off a little bit. Give some space for other people to breathe, to lead. Because you think it's good to be ambitious and want to do a bunch, but you're being selfish, bro. So you got to let go twice as often as you lay hold. Paul says all this, man letting go of what's behind. I press onward towards the goal. And what's the goal? I mean, what is the goal of the Christian life? Be cute, be influential, have abs, look good in pants, write your own Bible. I mean, what is the goal? The goal is Jesus. Christ in me, Paul says, that's the hope of glory. Jesus is the source and the destination of love. Everything we're doing is about making sure that David gets transformed from David into some glorified, sanctified, holy version of David that looks and feels and smells a whole lot more like Jesus. So when they're around David, they feel Jesus. When they're around Kyle, they feel Jesus. When they're around Margaret, they feel Jesus. And that means there's going to be some times where they watch Kyle or Margaret or David, where they watch us go through hardship and we press on. They watch us go through adversity and we press on. They see other people pout. They see other people blame. They see other people cry. But they see you pressing on. There's other people that are passed out puke all over the carpet, crying in the corner, huddling up on their knees, wondering what happened to them. But not you, oh man of God, not you, my brothers and my sisters. You are moving on. You are pressing on to the high and holy calling that is your destiny and your inheritance in Christ Jesus. Man, let me tell you, the future of Christian spirituality will be determined and defined by you. You are the only Jesus they are ever going to see. And what God is doing in you is the only Christianity that is ever going to matter. So make a decision, man. Press on. Lord, thank you. For the privilege of knowing you and walking in the power and the anointing of your Holy Spirit, good night. Do We have a long way to go. Man, we screw it up a lot. But we trust, Lord, that if we just keep moving, we just keep going, if we refuse to quit, if we refuse to stop, you will give us the energy, the wisdom, the insight, the passion, and the fuel to be all that Jesus anybody could ever want or hope. We pray these things gratefully and joyfully in your name. Amen.